I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Down the block, Andrew John. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Newcastle and one. Welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. Today we've got part two of our interview with Darren Brown from the Rabbitohs Radio Podcast. The podcast I highly advise you all get around and go and have a listen to. Darren obviously represented the South Sydney Rabbitohs, the Canterbury Bulldogs, the Magpies and the Penrith Panthers. Today in part two, we dive into the back end of his career time spent. Obviously when he returned to Redfern, then the Magpies and then the Penrith Panthers where he finished his NRL career playing with some of the greats like Freddie, Brandy, these sort of fellas. He then makes a move over to England and represents Salford for a couple of years there, becoming a club captain and one of their favourite players of all time. If you haven't listened to part one, we dropped that on Tuesday morning. I highly advise you go back and have a listen to that. Darren's a champion bloke with a fantastic story to tell. Some of these stories are the ones you don't really hear much of anymore. Definitely is from a past time of rugby league. Things have changed so much, but I love hearing these stories. I thoroughly enjoy them. I'm going to hand you over to Darren now. We're kicking off from when he returned to the South Sydney Rabbitohs after being at the Canterbury Bulldogs in 1991. It's try time! The Rabbitohs captain, Darren Brown. Good run there. Darren so Brown. Front on. Beautiful work here from Darren Brown. He is a skillful player. A little kick over the top, catches it on the fall. There wasn't much room. Obviously, 1992, you get the opportunity to return to Redfern, um, only after being away for a year. How did this come about? Yeah, I'm not sure how it came about. It's- it was just one of them things. I, I got injured when I was at the Bulldogs late late in the year, and I did my ankle, and um, you know things didn't work out. I, I suppose they they probably saw me as a as a five eight and all, and Barbar was still going around at the time. Uh, they just signed. I saw I played a lot of my games at the Bulldogs in, in the outside back. They they signed uh, Jared McCracken in 91 and Darren Smith they, they were all coming through at the same time and probably see they you know they didn't there wasn't a need for, for so many outside backs and myself and Mavo we returned to the Rabbitohs in, in 92 like you said and it, it was tough to take but you know I had a great time at the Bulldogs in that one year uh, I think it improved my game somewhat in terms of playing in different positions with the Bulldogs 
And then I was coached under the great Chris Anderson there. So, look, enjoyed my time there. Um, and it's really good come reunion time. I, I still get to go to the, the reunions for the Bulldogs. Mate, just having a look through this South Sydney side that you return to, obviously a lot of guys that have also had sons that have gone on and played, obviously Manoa Thompson, uh, Craig Coleman's in this side. Uh, Blake Butcher was on the bench for you guys as well. Uh, pretty good pedigree coming out of this team. Yeah, we like I said before, we, we had a really good uh, crop of juniors coming through and some of them players that you just mentioned, Manoa and Blake Butcher, Sean Garlic, uh, Troy Slattery, uh, who was who a young bloke coming through as well. Uh, Mavo came back with us. Yeah, look, it's, it's we've always had the ability in the South Juniors to develop good kids, and we're still doing it today. You know, the likes of you know Cameron Murray and Keon Kalamatungi, just to name a few, uh, coming through the ranks in today's game. And um, you know, it was uh, it was a great great time in my career. But the results go our way that year. Um, but, you know, it was, a, it was a team which was rebuilding, I suppose, uh, what they call today. And, um, you know, it was great times. And we, we ended up uh, winning a couple of games. And uh, it, was, uh, it was hard to take uh, when I had to leave a couple of years later again. And, uh, but before we get to when you had to leave again, obviously you mentioned that yourself and Mavo, uh, you bounced around the same clubs for two or three years, South Sydney to Canterbury, back to South Sydney. You're on the podcast together. What, what was the go there? Was, was that just luck you both ended up at the same spot or were you trying to stick together, a little, little package deal? Yeah, I think it was, mate. It worked out that way. And I said, as I mentioned earlier, we went to the UK together and we played over there. So we sort of like followed our careers the whole time now. Now we're working together. We work at BP World together and we're on the podcast together. So we've had a good, good mateship for quite some time. We both live in the same suburb. Um, so, yeah, it's just one of them things that's happened and uh, we're really good mates still today. Mate, you're playing for the South Sydney Rabbitohs in 1993. You'd obviously play for the Western Suburbs Magpies in 94. When do you find out that you're going to have to make that move? Yeah, it was, uh, it was sort of like uh, towards the end of the season. Once again, um, you know, financially, uh, the Rabbitohs w- wasn't in a good position to, to keep us. And uh, Warren Ryan showed some interest to me uh, to get me over to uh, the Magpies. And, you know, it was a, once again a tough decision. But I, I did that experience before. Uh, I knew how to handle it when I went to the Bulldogs. So it was just one of them things where I had to leave and, uh, this time it was for good and, uh, you know, I wasn't to return and, um, you know, had, had a great time. I made my decision easier uh, being coached by the great Warren Ryan as well. Yeah, mate, that was going to be my next question. Tell me about Warren Ryan. We hear so many stories about him over the last few years. What's your greatest memory of him as a, as a player relationship with the coach? Yeah, Warren, uh, back in the day, Warren Ryan was, was uh, you know, one of the all-time great coaches. Um, through his toughness, but he also had the ability to teach uh, players how to just do play their own role. He was one of the first coaches to put in place, you know, the play left side, right side, left second row, right second row. So, and his game was based back then around a lot of structure as well, and it just um, put me in place to to play that style of footy. 
uh, we had some great players uh, in, in that side. Paul Langmack was there as well. So we had a couple of smart football brains in, in, in the team and uh, it was a great experience to, to be coached by the great Warren Ryan and, and obviously play with one of the all-time great ball-playing forwards in Paul Langmack. Mate, can I ask you about another young forward that was in this team? And I think it's part of his career that just about everyone has forgotten about. A young Stephen Kearney you played with, obviously, in the back row there. Played for the Magpies for a couple of years, then went over to New Zealand when that franchise started and then finished with the Melbourne Storm. Since then, he's gone into coaching in rugby league nowadays. Tell me about him as a young bloke, mate. Yeah, what a great player he was, mate, Steve Kearney. Uh, he was only a young fellow when I had the opportunity to play with him and just a big, strapping young who gave his all and um, could offload the ball in traffic and was uh, really he started that that was the start of a long career for, for Steve Kearney I think he went on to play many many games for his country and he, once again he, he had a few clubs but he was a you know he was an enforcer when it, with every club that he went to and he said he's now in the coaching staff at the Melbourne Storm. He's had a lot of success uh, with coaching, and um, you know that was all set up from probably you know the uh, the tuition that he had throughout his career with some of the great coaches, and especially uh, Warren Ryan. He signed with the Penrith Panthers in 1995 to go there, and. Um, a really interesting time to be at the Penrith Panthers. Obviously, they had all the success in the early 90s, won that premiership in 91. Farewell guys like Roy Simmons, uh, Mark Guy had left by this point, but probably the biggest hole in the community and the football team was, uh, unfortunately, the death of Ben Alexander. Could you feel that uh, the club was still hurting from that even a couple of years later? Yeah, look, it was, uh, it was an unfortunate um, turn of events that, that happened with Ben and it did destabilise the club for a long period of time. And uh, you mentioned Mark Guy had left and, and the likes of Greg Alexander, uh, Ben's brother, uh, had left the club. And I think they just needed to get out of the area and, and, and you know, further their careers at, at different clubs. And, um, you know, there was a lot of tension uh, within that, you know, within that club. But by the time I got there, a lot of the players and, and the, the staff that were involved uh, was, was sort of like left, but I was fortunate enough that uh, Brandy and, and both Brandy and MG uh, came back to finish their careers at Penrith, and uh, you know I was fortunate enough to, to be there when that happened. And uh, let me ask you about one more guy, and obviously he started his career at the Penrith Panthers. He was there in the early 90s when they won that premiership. Uh, I know he's one of your good mates still today. Brad Fittler uh, was obviously very young when he was at the Panthers, but as you said, once MG, uh, once Brandy left, it was a young Brad Fittler that was captaining the Panthers, and sooner rather than later, he was captaining the Kangaroos to an unbelievable rise for such a freakish footballer. Tell me about Freddie in the early days, mate. Yeah, well, Freddie was just one of those special talents that... Uh just come out, come around in, in a generation, you know, he's, he came straight out of school and, and was playing first grade and then next minute he's playing in a grand final and just from the time he, he took the field in in, uh, in the top grade, he, he was always a force to be reckoned with and uh, he went on to have a, a long and a great career, successful. You know, I mean, he won premierships at two different clubs. He, he you know, he represented his country. He won, he won State of Origin series at, I think he was a 
um, the last player to win 3 nil in a State of Origin series. So we're looking to do that this week um, with, with the, the current team. But, yeah, Freddie was just a freakish player. I was fortunate enough to play with Freddie, play against Freddie. Um, and like you said, he's just a great bloke uh, away from the field as well. So, But, yeah, very fortunate uh, to be involved with uh, Freddie throughout his career. Can I ask you, mate, obviously you two made your debut in the same season, 1989. Did you have much to do with Freddie or did you ever play against him before your first grade debut? No, no, not at all. Um, Freddie was fresh on the scene. Um, yeah, I didn't play a great deal of schoolboy footy. I played a little bit of representative footy. I didn't make Australian schoolboys or uh, went to go down that road. I, I know Freddie did. So, yeah, the, basically the first opportunity that I... I came up against Freddie was uh, was playing in the top grade, but yeah, nothing to do with Freddie um, early on. Mate, tell me about when you were at Penrith. Obviously, your coach at the time, Roycey Simmons, a uh, Penrith Panthers legend. Tell me about him as a coach. Mate, once again, uh, it was a learning curve for for Roycey. He'd been on the the staff when Gus was uh, coaching uh, the Panthers. Gus had left, I think, midway through '94 and. And Roycey might have took over, or maybe at the end of '94, Roycey took over, and just a champion fellow, Roycey, and um, you know well, what a what a career he had, scoring them two tries in that grand final, and uh, I always remember him saying that he's going to have a beer with everyone in Penrith uh, over the next few days, and I'm pretty sure he did that. I think he's still doing it to till today, but yeah, no, just a champion fellow, Roycey. Had a great four years there at the Panthers uh, under his coaching. And um, he, he went on to have some great success at the West Tigers. I think he was an assistant coach to Tim Sheens when they won the grand final. Um, but, yeah, no, just a, a great fellow and, uh, a, a, you know, a great coach as well. Mate, obviously a large part of your time at the Penrith Panthers at the back end of the 90s, it's dominated by Super League. Uh, now, obviously Super League, part of the reason why the Penrith Panthers lost Brad Fittler to the Roosters. Mate, when was the when was the first moment that you sort of realised, like, geez, this Super League thing, it's going to be the real deal? Like, there'd been whispers and rumours for so long. When was the moment that it really dawned on you that it was going to happen? Hey, look, it was, uh, it was one of them things that there was a lot of talk about it. And then um, it just sort of like happened all of a sudden. And uh, the club, the, the, Pen- the Penrith club, we, we got a call on the Monday morning after a game. We, we just played a game. I can't remember who we played against, but Monday morning we, we'd, all got a, we'd all got a call on, on the Monday morning to call an, an urgent meeting. Uh, we all had to meet the club and... and uh, they explained to us that uh, they'll be going over to Super League and they'll start uh, all their negotiations ASAP. And within 24 hours, the whole club had just transferred to Super League and the next minute we were on board. And it just happened so quickly, like you said. Uh, all of a sudden, you know, when one club turns to two and uh, within 24 to 48 hours, well, you know, the, the competition was all like divided and uh, you know the, the rest is history Super League started in 1997 and uh, we were part of it Greatest memories from that 97 season mate I imagine you know all the new jerseys I, I, I believe there was a bit more travelling going on I know I've spoken to a lot of guys that 
went over to play in England and stuff, representing um, representing their club in the range of different sort of competitions. A very a very new era sort of game of rugby league, wasn't it? Was it definitely was, mate. Um, like you said, there was a world club challenge competition that was played uh, throughout the year, where um, half the clubs, Sydney or from the Super League, went over to the UK, and and then the clubs from the UK came over to Sydney, and then vice versa later in the year. And well, that was a great concept. Uh, you know, we we're fortunate enough to travel the world and go over there and play some of the the Super League clubs are over in the UK and then uh, then it happened uh, over here as well. So a lot of travelling, uh, a few new clubs came into the competition. Uh, you know, Perth came into the competition, the Mariners. So, yeah, look, it was a new concept. There was a few new rules that were introduced. You could wear your own numbers. You got to pick your, what number you wanted to wear. And, um, you know, the new jerseys, the new balls, they... They tested these new balls. So, look, it was a while it divided the you know the uh, the rugby league game itself. I think it's only enhanced it um, you know today uh, because obviously they they threw the money around and um, you know they played the the pay, the players um, the value that the players were worth really and. Um, you know, it's only it's only um, good for the game today, I believe. Mate, the, the big thing that I take from all that that you mentioned was the uh, the jersey numbers, and I think I think that'll be a sensational thing for us to do in the modern game. I've spoken about it a lot on my podcast that you know, for example, if you're Kalen Ponger and you want to have jersey, you know, fifty three or whatever, like I think the players should have their own numbers or their own names on the back, and then like in the NFL when they sell jerseys, I, I think these players should be getting a clip of that. It's all part of their own sort of brand. Do you think it's something that, that you'd like to see come back into the game or do you prefer the more traditional 1-17? to 17? Oh, look, it's, it's hard to say, Nate. Um, you know, the 1-17 to 17 is a tradition and it's been around, you know, for a long, long time. Uh, obviously, the forward numbers have changed substantially. Back in the day, number 12 was a hooker. Yep. 13 was a prop and... Number eight was the lock, you know what I mean? So um, them numbers have changed around a little bit. But, you know, like you said, uh, in terms of revenue, the players can generate their own income through the merchandise um, from, the you know, the fans buying their own jumpers and, you know, the likes of Kale and Ponga and, um, you know, the so forth, you know, the... the Mate, like, all, all I can think about is if, like, a Latrell Mitchell had his own number on a South Sydney jersey, like, yeah. could you imagine how many people would be buying those Latrell Mitchell jerseys? It'd just be a collectible item for South Sydney fans, but just rugby league fans too, I think. Well, that, that's right. And the fans would uh, love that themselves. And, and, and the beauty about that, the player could generate some revenue out of that and it doesn't go towards the salary cap, you know, yep. so... Um, it's just another avenue that players can earn money and, um, you know, they deservedly need that and, um, you know, it would be worthwhile for, for all the each and every individual. Can I ask you, mate, I believe your number was 33, was it? It was. It was. I think the first year I might have, the, the, early on it was 13 and then I, Gert, I think Ryan Girdler might have had Three and then we swapped around. I, I can't remember, but yeah, 33 I played in for a long time. I think 
Maybe the great Michael. Did Michael Jordan play in 33? I think he was 23, wasn't he? Oh, 23. It might have been Shane Warne back then. Yeah, I, okay. I know there was somebody that played in 33 that was a high-profile high profile player. And, yeah. I thought you were going to tell number. me it was, uh, it was after the 33-1 to one that our Newbridge boy was at. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Oh, that have been, uh, yeah, I, I might run with that one. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, um, obviously, after Super League, I believe you played one more season at the Penrith Panthers. Then you made the move over to Salford. Uh, did you enjoy that experience over there? Did, mate. Um, what we spoke about earlier, I, I had the opportunity to go over to the UK on a number of occasions and play. Um, you know, I, I as a young bloke, I went over there with, with Mavo uh, for a second division side and, and then had the opportunity with Super League like we just spoke about. So I knew what to expect. Uh, went over there and I signed with the Salford City Reds who were playing in the Super League. Uh, just to further my career, I was sort of like uh, on my mark out here. Uh, sort of like, you know, the game was sort of like getting away from me. I had a few little niggling injuries and I thought by going over there it might just prolong my career a little bit, which I did. I ended up staying over there for three years and, and captaining that club. And, uh, you know, once again, had a great time. I played with a lot of good Englishmen over there and the fans were tremendous. And, um, you know, we had a couple of good Aussies come over uh, throughout, throughout that time as well. Mate, uh, I, I had another fellow on my podcast the end of last year who spoke very highly of you, Martin Afire, obviously, one of the greatest try scorers of all time. He sort of gave me the impression that uh, when he got to Salford, he probably enjoyed himself more off the field than on it. Uh, what was Martin Afire like, mate? Mate, Martin's a, he's, he's a champion, Martin, both on and off the field. He, he did so much for the English game over there. He was a, he was a try scoring machine. Um, had a lot of success at all the clubs that he went to, especially Wigan. Uh, you, you know, he was a, a young kid coming through. He played with Witness, um, you know, and when he, by the time he got to Salford, a little bit like me, we were sort of like at the end of our careers. But, um, you know, we, we had a great time and we played some great footy and he scored some wonderful tries for, for Salford as well. And uh, just a great fellow all around. And he was one of them, uh, you know, the great Englishmen that I was just talking to you about. Mate, if you had to narrow it down to the greatest Englishman that you played against whilst you were over there, probably maybe a guy that potentially never came over to the NRL. Who would you choose there? Oh, mate, uh, there was a lot of them that didn't really make the transition over here, um, but, you know, played some great footy over there. Andy Farrell was probably a, a great player that played. He was the captain of England at the time. Um, you know, a great uh, Wigan player that, Played a similar type of game to myself. He played at you know thirteen and was one of them ball playing back rowers uh, that probably could have easily made it out here, but really didn't make that transition out here and just had a, a really successful career over in the UK. 
I um I saw some highlights the other day, mate. I think it was from 2001, and it was Salford up against Wigan, and it was a game that went right down to the wire. It was 31-30 your way, and you were coming up against some great Aussies, Adrian Lamb, Matty Johns, Steve Renolf, Brett Dallas. Uh, you must have come up against some fantastic Aussie players that went over there. It was a lot more common back then, wasn't it? It was, mate, yeah. A lot, a lot of players went over there, especially the Aussie players went uh, over there at the back end of their career to sort of like further their career. Uh, but these days they do it a lot younger. Uh, they're going over there early on in their career. But, mate, was that game at the Willows? I think it was, yeah. I saw some highlights of it the other day. It was an unreal game. Yeah, mate, um, that, that game actually... Um, like you said, they had some tremendous Aussie talent there in, in terms of Matty Johns and Adrian Lamb um, and like you said, Brett Dallas. I think Frank Endicott might have been the coach. I think he got the punt after that game because obviously Wigan, a high-profile club coming up against uh, Salford who, who we were sort of not dwindling at the bottom but uh, we, we weren't one of the high-profile clubs over there at the time. You had the likes of Bradford Leeds and Helen to the dominant five. Um, yeah, and poor old Frank Endicott got the pun after that game. Well, mate, I, I just had your 2001 season uh, open here. My God, there's a lot of losses surrounded by that one that one win against Wigan. It must have been a huge shock for them. <laughs> yeah, well, that's why that's why he got the punt. You know what I mean? They probably they probably lost a bit of form throughout the year, and and that was just the uh, the icing the broke the icing the broke the you know the the cake. Brenny, let me ask you, was there a moment in 2001, that final season for you, where you just knew your body had had enough or mentally you'd have had enough of footy? Yeah, throughout the year, mate, I was struggling to get up for um, training. You know, after a game, it would take me, you know, four or five days for me to recover. I'd sort of like had a, I'd had 12 operations on, on my right knee throughout my career and, um, after a game, the, the knee had just inflamed and, and it takes me, you know, four or five days just to get it back to normal. Um, obviously, these days, you know, the recovery process is different, ice bars and, you know, there's a lot more technology uh, technology in terms of, you know, trying to get your body right. But we didn't have it back then and um, it took me, you know, four to five days to turn it around and get ready for the next game and it was just taking its toll on my on my body and um, yeah I just knew it was time to to like um, throw it in I imagine by this point mate you had both of the boys as well I imagine that would have made it a lot easier yeah yeah the boys there they were, we saw like they come over we went I went over to England in 99 and they were one one and two respectively I'm pretty sure or might have been the other way around. Six months, Tyler might have been, and Jaden was maybe one and a half. So yeah, they went over at a young age. They come back with Pommy accents. So yeah, while they they weren't born over there, um, they, they got some Pommy in them. The accents well and truly gone by now, just quietly. Yeah, they have been, mate. doesn't take long for them to get back to normal once you get back here. <laughs> mate, let me ask you, obviously, after retiring, always sort of stayed involved in rugby league. I know that you coached uh, Jaden and Tyler, a, a lot of their footy teams coming through, and obviously uh, there was that one team, I believe it was Jaden's team, their mascot jet side that was undefeated for a long period of time, mate. How long was that? It, uh, yeah, I think we went undefeated uh, probably for about 12 years. 
undefeated. We had a, a really good team. And uh, within that 12 years, it wasn't only uh, we were undefeated throughout the, the South Sydney Junior competition because we played in a lot of other competitions, uh, the Coca-Cola Cup for one, which is uh, all the air, all the all the winners from all the junior leagues within the, I think, the Sydney region. Um, so we won that competition. We took the boys up to Queensland. We played the best up there in Queensland, uh, Northern Territory. So we'd done a bit of travelling with, with the team and yeah, basically we were the best team in Australia uh, in terms of their age group for, for, for many years. And yeah, a lot of them players... Playing first grade now, the likes of uh, Remus Smith, the Billy Magulius, Sifa Talakai is another one from the Cronulla Sharks. So, yeah, it was uh, it was a special, you know, special talented team, and um, and not only that team, but the team below us, uh, who my younger boy Tyler played with, they had the likes of uh, Cameron Murray, Keon Kalamatangi. So yeah, mascot uh, a strong junior club in, in the South Sydney district and they're always producing you know good good quality players well mate without having the, the numbers in front of me now I mean I counted the other day I think there's 11 or 12 first graders that have come out of the mascot jet system like it is incredible how they just keep on producing they are mate and they're not only at um, the, the Rabbitohs uh, as well unfortunately you know the Rabbitohs they can't keep them all and some players leave for you know different reasons better opportunities and um, you know different salaries so forth but you've got the likes of Dylan Walker who was a mascot junior Adam Fanula Blake who was they're all playing at different clubs uh, obviously Remus is now at the uh, Melbourne Storm and Emre Goulet is another one who's down at the Canberra Raiders so yeah. they're spread out all over the competition mate mascot juniors well, I was having a look the other day at the New Zealand Warriors, and at one point their two front rowers on the field were Adam Fanua Blake and Kane Evans, two guys that came through mascot. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah you, you don't realise until you sit down and, and think about all the players that come from the South Juniors that are playing at different clubs, and you could probably put a, a quality first-grade team together um, from all them mascot juniors, and it'll be competitive in today's game. Mate, just before we finish up, a couple of questions from uh, some of my followers. First one, who's the Bunnies player from the modern era, the team right now, that you would have loved to have played alongside? I might get you to pick a forward and a back if you wouldn't mind. Who, who's a forward that you would have loved to have played alongside? Uh, mate, he's probably... I'm going to go a little bit left field here, and he's he's, he's retired. Uh, he's only retired probably a year ago, and that's Sam Burgess, mate. I think Sam Burgess is probably one of the best forwards I've seen play the game. Um, he's just one of them tough competitors that just played with his heart on his sleeve, just gave his all in everything he did. And he's one of the, you know, one of the best forwards uh, that I've ever, ever seen play the game. Uh, so I'm, I'm just, I, I know you said in today in today's game, um, oh, I'd probably, uh, mate... The, Damien Cook, I'd say, a great number nine. He's explosive out, out of dummy half, and, and he just gives you so much time uh, to all the ball players. Uh, he, you know, he gives you great service. So, yeah, Cookie, but Sam Burgess would have been the one that, that I would have loved to play with, even though 
Uh, he, he's retired now. Uh, as an outside back, mate, Cody Walker, I'd say. Just a, a type of player that plays eyes up footy and can do you know anything on the football field and just one of them naturally gifted players who provides great service for all players around him. I imagine, mate, too, obviously playing with Terry Lamb yourself, that Cody Walker, he's got a very similar support game, doesn't he? He just always seems to be in the right spot. He just he can sense when something's happening through the middle of the ruck and you just see him starting to push straight away. He's an incredible footballer. Yeah, he just plays off the cuff, mate, and just plays backyard footy like they, they like to call it. And, uh, yeah, just one of them players that's, in the right spot at the right time. If he's if he's not setting up a try, he's he's there supporting and um, putting it down over the try line himself. Just one of them great players who blossomed at a late age. I think he, you know, I think he might be past thirty now, and uh, he's getting better with age. He's like a good bottle of red red wine. He's unreal, Cody. Mate, uh, tell me who's the most underrated player that you think you've played with throughout your career. So a guy that. Obviously, teammates would have respected greatly, but maybe didn't get the attention by fans or by the media that, that he deserved. Is there anyone that comes to mind for you? Um, uh, underrated player. Um, oh, mate, he, he's probably not underrated, but this player, he he won a Dally M, but wasn't awarded the Dally M, and, and that's Craig Gower, mate. Yep. Um, uh, Gower, he was probably one of them players. I mean, he played a played for his country, he played for his state. Um, but yeah, he won the Dally M in oh, maybe 2004. Yeah, I think it was 04 or 03, yeah. Yeah, and they, they sort of like took it off and there was some controversy, um, you know, with, with the uh, Players Association. But yeah, mate, Gow is just a tremendous competitor. Um, gave his all and one tough player. Played well above his weight. He was only a little fellow and and went on to, you know, not only play um, at the highest level in, in rugby league, but he went on to play at the highest level in rugby union as well. Yeah. Uh, he went over to France, and, and I think he might have even played in the World Cup for, for the France side. Mate, tell me, who was the best player you played with? Oh, mate, there's so many. Uh, like we've just chatted about for the last half an hour, had the opportunity to play at so many great clubs and with so many great players, and uh, we mentioned, you know, a couple in terms of, you know, Craig Cole and Paul Langmack, Phil Blake, um, you know, Terry Lamb, geez. Uh, but one was that we spoke about was probably Brad Fittler, well, mate. Uh, Freddie, I had the opportunity. I didn't get to play much with Freddie, but uh, what I did, I, I could say I played with probably one of the greatest players to ever play the game. Mate, for you, should he be an immortal of our game? Mate, I think so. He's done enough uh, to prove that, that he, you know, is an immortal. He's he's won competitions at, at a couple of clubs. You know, he's captain his state. He's won state of origin series. You know, what do what do they judge mortality on? Um, I think he's one of them players that will um, be gifted one of them uh, immortalised, um, you know, statues. Uh, in the years to come, mate. So, but there's probably a couple before him in the waiting that haven't haven't succeeded as well. You know, Ron Coote's another one that probably could be granted, uh, you know, and a, to be an immortal. But um, there's just so many. But yeah, Freddie, uh, I think one day will become an, an immortal. 
Brownie, the last thing I'm going to ask about, and I got a couple of questions sent in about this one, and I think you can probably uh, uh, blame Vossi for doing your dirty on this one. The people want to know about that goal kick. Apparently, you'll know what we're talking about. Yeah, mate. Uh, I was playing with the Canterbury Bulldogs. Uh, it was, I think it was on the Vossi show, uh, the, the fan. Yeah, it was a, it was a goal kick um, that I was asked to take by Terry Lamb. I, I'd been, I just got a, a little knock to the head. And these days, I probably would have been in, in the HIA. But um, yeah, I, I lined it up. It was a midweek game. Uh, in one of the National Panasonic or the Tooth Cup back then it was called uh, I lined it up the old toe poker put it on the mound and I moved in to strike the ball and I, I saw I just missed the ball and I just touched it and it fell off the mound <laughs> and lucky I was uh, I was aware and aware of it and I picked it up and I nearly scored off it so yeah it was just one of them uh, things where I totally missed the ball and um, as, as I as I uh, missed it, it, so I fell off the mound and I picked it up and nearly scored. But yeah, just one of them things, mate. That I was famous for. Brownie, mate, I thank you so much for joining us. I wish you all the very best with Rabbitohs Radio. Seems like it's absolutely flying at the moment, chaps. Who we've had on the podcast, champion fella, and of course your partner in crime for forty odd, thirty odd years down. Mavo seem to be doing great things, mate. Yeah, thanks, mate. Thanks for having us, and uh, I enjoy your podcast as well, mate. Have a great day, brother. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 